It's in you. You possess the power. Just go hard. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Be the Leader. This is the show that helps you level up in your leadership, your mindset, your fitness. But overall, what we do here is we help you succeed and win. And it's not just about you, it's about everybody in your circle. It's about your friends, your family, your coworkers. You know, what we do here is really special because it's not just theory, it's, it's we break down strategies and tactics that are going to actually help you out in life and conquer everything that you set your mind to. And for today's show, I have a really uh, inspiring episode. Um, I was recently introduced to somebody and I thought that I actually had to have them on the show and it was because of what they've overcome in their life. I'm going to read um, a little bio to you to get you up to speed, but I have a, a women's mindset and resiliency mentor today. She's a serial entrepreneur and she's created success in multiple industries. Okay, this includes things like fitness training, the spa industry, uh, construction. She's, she's got a wide array of expertise and knowledge, but what I love the most about her, it's what she's overcome. You know, she has amazing a story of overcoming the invisible forces that hold us all back. Okay, when I say invisible forces, I mean things like fear, criticism, self-doubt. These are all the things that actually keep us from realizing our true potential in life. It's not the resources, it's these invisible forces. And so, I know many of you guys have been held back by those forces in some way. So it's my hope today that as you listen, you take notes and you study so that you can break free of that prison that you may be in. Um, but, you know, above her story and what she's overcome, what I really love is her mission. You guys got to hear her mission statement, okay? Her mission statement is to lead women out of a place of chaos, fear, and desperation and into a place of power and purpose and a life created by their design and one dictated and not one, excuse me, mm -hmm. dictated by their circumstances. So I'm very excited to bring in Ladies and gentlemen, Denise Bond. Well, you make me sound great, so thank you so much. You sound much. like a badass. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. So, um, I have a bunch of stuff that I want to talk to you about today, but um, before we do, I have to ask you, do you think you were born to be a badass? Because with a name like Denise Bond... Well, it was kind of, it was kind of <laughs> set already in the stars. I do agree, yes. Everybody asks me all the time, do you do the Bond, Denise Bond? And I'm like... <laughs> 007 is pretty nice to have. So yeah, yeah it was set. Yeah. What was yeah. that like as a kid? Was it, was it a thing or not a thing? Uh, oh, it's still a thing. Yeah. It's still, it's, and you just kind of, you know, I'm like, yeah, I've never heard that before. <laughs> Thanks. It's just, so it's, it's still a thing. Yeah. We even, uh, back in the day did a, a modeling shoot and they set us up with the, almost like the Charlie Angels girls coming out. So we've played off of it quite a bit in my family. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think we all have something like a little bit like that. Mine was Jeremiah. So or my name is Jeremiah. So Jeremiah uh, was a bullfrog. Was a bullfrog. That yeah. was what was coming out of my mouth. I was hoping that's where you were going. I was going to be very embarrassed if you were like, that's not what we did. Like, oh, sorry. But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, names are pretty funny, but, um, Okay, so with that aside, you were born to be a badass. It was in your well, it was in your your stars to begin with, your destiny, thanks. and you realized that potential. Um, but let's talk a little bit about you know some things that you've you've. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your story, and I really want the audience to get to know you. And I, I want to get to know you at a deeper level as well. Um, but aside from your accolades, you know, you've done all kinds of things in the entrepreneurial space, huh? Like, I have wow. anything that I wanted to attempt. I've been able to 
go after it. Yeah. Hasn't always been successful, so let's just put that clause <laughs> out there. But I have at least yeah. gone after it and tried it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing because a lot of people are scared to start just one business or pursue one thing. Yeah. And you have a pattern in your life of constantly challenging yourself to go after numerous things. Mm -hmm. Have you been like that your whole life or is that I have. I have. And you know, as I've gotten older, you know how we play games with ourselves in in our minds and sometimes I think that's a strength and then sometimes I thought it was maybe a weakness because mm -hmm. I couldn't be content and I couldn't settle. Um even had others kind of, you know, allude to that, but then I just, you know, we're going to talk about some strategies and tools today, but sure. just it's a strength to be able to go and at least say, I tried. I would rather say I tried than, you know, that they say that the graveyard is full of the, you know, so many business ideas and concepts and they never get, they never, nobody ever does them. And so I've always been one until there's some parts of my story we'll share where it kind of changed a little bit where I started getting in my own way, but I've always been one to go after it and try it. Yeah, you said there was a lot of there was some judgment from others, you know, as you pursue these different paths. You know, what did that actually sound like? Was it, um, you don't have to say names or anything, but no. talk a little bit about that in detail. Well, it's uh, you should be content with what you have, or you know, even my own internal voice. I don't know about you, but I've got like there's so much many voices that are inside of here all yeah. at the same time. If anybody ever like really got in there and checked it out, they'd be like, this girl belongs, you know, somewhere else. <laughs> but but you know, some of my own internal voices was, well, I, maybe I would be more successful if I stayed in one lane instead of having this adventurous or fearless type spirit. And um, so it's, that's why I say it can be a strength. And then also it could be viewed as a weakness because I, I don't like to be boxed in. I have a, there's a great quote and I don't know, Amy, we may have to find it, but there's a great, great quote about, I found when I was 40. I'm still finding myself, you know, as I think we said that earlier that I'm still trying to figure out who I want to be when I grow up, still finding myself. I don't ever want to stop figuring out who I am or what I'm able to accomplish. But there was this quote when I was 40, it was my 40th birthday. I took off by myself to Ixcalac, Mexico, which I don't know. I was diving. I went to a dive school down there by myself, travel a lot by myself, which could be a whole nother, you know, episode for women that are fearful of, okay. of traveling by themselves. And um, anyway, I came out, it was my birthday morning and I'm walking from where I was sleeping down and on this wall was a quote and it said, I must be a mermaid because I have a great fear of shallow living and no fear of going into the depths. Oh, I like that. And that amazing, like yeah. that's, I was like, oh my God, that's me. I'm a finally figure. I even <laughs> called my mom. I was like, I finally figured out who I am. I'm a mermaid. And she's like, what are you? And I told her that quote, but that's just. That's just been me. And for so long, I don't know about you, but it can make you feel like something's wrong with you when you aren't a carbon copy of, or even at least three quarters of a carbon copy of everyone else. And so I always just had this desire for more, oh, to do more, experience more, to be more. And, and when it, then that quote, a great fear of shallow living, I was like, oh, that's, yeah. that's me. Yeah. That's me. That I can resonate with that so much. It's like what we spoke about a little bit off mm -hmm. camera was the quote that come, came to mind when I met you was, was this, um, you know, I said it was by Henry Thoreau. It said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. And what is not resignation is confirmed desperation, which essentially means that most people are tiptoeing their way to death. Right. Yeah. And you're like the polar opposite of that. Bam. You know, you, you're going deep into the water. And yeah. at I, times, let me, so don't, you know, sure. let's just say it's at times. Cause I don't want to, 
give a misconception yeah. that I'm just balls to the wall the whole entire time. Well, oh, I have stood in my own way more times than I can. That's count. probably why you're so courageous, is because it probably stems from not being that way. Yeah. Right? Like, you probably weren't always as courageous and going after it. You know, mm -hmm. I think um, when I look at great people in history and great high achievers, Typically, their greatness comes from a place of insecurity, sure. something that really held sure. them back. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk a little bit about some things that maybe held you back. Talk to me a little sure. bit about your childhood and what your rise to this becoming this woman who doesn't allow things. And I know you, you probably struggle still like everybody else, like we all do, but you refuse to settle for comfort and you continue yeah. to challenge yourself. So give me the backstory. Yeah. What, what built you? So uh, my parents are pastors. So I was raised in church. Don't know any other life, but going to church every time the door was open, we were in church. And, and so, um, was my dad's music minister. I could sing before I could talk. And so I thought that was going to be my life. I thought mm. that was going to be, if you'd asked me, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm like, I'm going to be a singer. This is, this is it. So I kind of had it predetermined that that's just what I was good at. That's what I was going to be. So, um, Growing up, we I did music. My whole childhood was more about church. I wasn't really involved in a lot of school things. It was mostly music. We traveled. We had a, a hundred voice choir, which was really super cool when we were young to travel. Yeah. Went to Canada, and my dad is a, a amazing fire fallen type of preacher, and so I was raised in, in a great environment for that. Yeah. Um, as I got older. I wanted, I'm more expressive, more creative, more emotional. Um, I wanted to do some things that wasn't quite in the, the confinement of what was deemed appropriate for being uh, in, in the ministry. Mm. Not anything crazy. Not like I wanted to go, you know, buck wild. Yeah, you want to break the box, though. You want to break out of the box. I, I wanted to get my cartilage pierced. I don't know if you remember when that yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, yeah. gosh, how long, years ago when that yeah. was popular. Couldn't, couldn't do that. Um, when I'd get my belly button pierced, couldn't do that. Like there was just, which was, I understand it now, did not understand it then when you're young, you know, and you just, well, I can't, you know, yeah. uh, I was so crazy. I even pierced my own ear one time by taking a cough syrup bottle and that was a whole different story, <laughs> but I would take it in and out going to school and you know how painful that was. Anybody that's done that, but it was <laughs> just, I wanted, I, it was just a, a way to express myself. Sure. Um, and out of love, nothing in a harmful way, but out of love, it was like, th th those are wrong. Those desires are wrong. Those things are wrong. And so that was kind of the inner dialogue that mm. started happening. You know, not that just those things are wrong, but I'm wrong right. for wanting them. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, so absolutely. So like one of the things it's, a, you developed a, a disempowering belief system yeah. around wanting to express yourself. Right. Yes. And for me, I, how I can relate to that is as a kid. Um, I developed one about my intelligence. You know, I thought that, you know, all the kids would go to school and they would brag about how little they studied for the test and they would pass the test. And me, I was like studying or, you know, what I thought was studying and I would fail the test and I'd be like, man, I guess I'm just really, really stupid. And right. I guess I'm just not like them. And so then it became a whole belief system Correct. inside of my head that really limited me and put um, an invisible ceiling oh, over yeah. my head. Oh yeah. So, um, I can definitely relate to it. Yeah. I really like this little, this rebel that's in you though. There's, <laughs> well, it's like, there's this contrast here, you know? know, it's like, I'm a good girl, but I also got a little bit of rebel in me and I want to go do stuff, dude. But see, the rebel kind of falls into, and also even just saying that is like, well, something's wrong with you. Like, right. that's what I hear. True. I don't hear like, well, you're a fearless rebel. I hear like, oh, you're one of those. Uh, like, does that make sense? Yeah. It even gives it kind of a negative. 
instead of something that's celebratory. You mm. want things different. That's awesome. You, d- yeah, so it makes that's, sense. That's kind of sounds like what your inner dialogue started being formed. My inner dialogue started being formed like yeah. that. And so throughout that, throughout those formative years, that was kind of, I, I describe it as feeling like a bird trapped in a cage. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to do these things, but I felt like those things were wrong. And so I was trying to be, again, out of love. It wasn't like someone was coming and harming me, telling me I needed to be a certain sure. way. It was out of love and protection. Sure. But it was it was just so different. And so there became that whole, I'm different. Right. I'm bad. I'm wrong. Something is is there. So I did the best that I could to follow and please those that I wanted to get approval from. Because it's so, I mean, there's not... Anyone, I don't think, that doesn't want the approval of their parents or, you know, the people that are above them. So I I did what I needed to do to be that person. Absolutely. One of the um, top fears out of humans that holds them back, you know, people fear a lot of different things. Fear of ill health is one of them. Fear of failure. But fear of criticism is one of the biggest fears that all humans have. Mm -hmm. And so that can really put you into a life of conformity. Yes. And not allowing yourself to be the full... Maybe Absolutely. we won't even call it renaissance. We won't even call it rebel anymore. We'll call it a renaissance woman because that's yeah. really what it is, right? Just different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, renaissance Beautifully people. different. Yeah. They they change history, and yeah. and so that's what I see. Yeah. But talk to me a little bit about that path that took it on. So we have this inner dialogue going on that's causing a little bit of it's limiting us, right? Yeah. Um, and the thing that I first think of is like, you know, my mentor taught me this. He said our limiting beliefs are basically like, um, just like when you put fleas inside of a glass container. Mm-hmm. You put fleas in there. They'll travel this route, and with enough time, if you take away the glass container, they continue to fly the same route, even though they can go fly wherever they want. And not only that, but their offspring, when they have them, will fly the same route as well. Oh, so true. So, yeah, so this is a little bit of a story of the flea in the glass container, right? So where did that um, conformity end up taking you? So at 19, we'll fast forward through some of those years. At at 19, uh, I went in and I told my mom I wanted to go away to college. I wanted to go do music. Yeah. And uh, mom, again, out of love, said, no, you're going to stay and get married. And uh, I was I was dating our associate pastor's son at that time. We'd been best friends since I was 12. So it was just kind of a given yeah. the two of us were supposed to. So I, I actually stayed and got married and did, again, that whole conforming, becoming who I needed to be for the approval. Yeah. Um, and so got married at a very young age of 19, which, you know was interesting. Oh, yeah. But two weeks before I got married, my brother that's older than I committed suicide on July 4th, 1996. It was two weeks before my wedding. Wow. And so um, talking about it now, I can tell you that I don't regret. I was actually telling someone this today at lunch. I don't regret the fact that I got married because it gave my family a reason to move. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you've ever gone, you know, yeah. experienced grief and it's just you're just paralyzed in that moment and you can't get past that. Something else to focus on a little bit. Yes. So my, the church stepped in and, and prepared my wedding for me and the reception. And I went ahead and got married and, um, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful because again, it gave us, it gave us a reason to move my mom and dad, a reason to move. Mm -hmm. Um, suicide was not anything we ever even thought would happen. We're, we're a church family. You know, we're, my dad's a pastor and, and, and my mom and dad, if they shared their story, they could even tell you how they went through this. God, we've served you our whole life. How did, you know, how did this happen to our son? And they do a lot of work 
with families that have, have lost a family member to suicide now. And so, um, but through that journey, um, I kind of just got lost in being who I needed to be to keep everybody moving, um, keep showing up the way that I needed to show up doing my music. And then about five years into that marriage, I was walking by myself one time at St. Pete. I was walking. It was my birthday. My husband at that time was in the room, and I was out walking by myself. And I just was like, God, if this is what life is going to be like, I'm alone. I'm not me. I'm miserable. I can't, I can't do this. And so I went, went back, did not handle things the appropriate way because I had no idea how to handle things. Um, I went back and told them what I, that I wanted to get a divorce. Now in church at this told time, your parents. I told my parents, okay. it's is like, this is 20 something years ago. Sure. Um, divorce was just not really popular, especially in a small Southern town in Illinois. Sure, sure. Um, especially if you're the pastor's daughter, that right. is just not like, you know, that's probably the worst thing besides my, my brother's committing suicide. I was probably the next in line is what else could happen to this sure. family. And, um, so they, again, out of a place of love, answered me the best that they knew how to answer. And it was, have a baby. That'll help you give you something to, to focus on. Yeah. Or um, you can't do this to the church. It'll cause the church to split. Mm. And so I said, okay. So I left. And I was, um, back then, our elementary schools used to have uh, slides. I don't even know if they have slides anymore. But you know, like <laughs> yeah. the kind that you would like shoot across yeah. the whole parking yeah. lot on. So that was... So I was, it was one evening, I'm laying on this slide, looking up at the stair, at the stars. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to have to get out of this. I know that divorce is not, you know, being taught divorce is wrong. Get it. Other, you know, other things are happening. Other factors are happening. But I'm either got to get out of here or I, I want my life to end. And the only reason mm-hmm. why that I decided that that wasn't an option is because I had lived with the aftermath of my brother passing. Oh, man. And so that's just, you know what I mean? That's, that makes you think differently yeah. when you've lived through it. And so I was like, I can't, I can't do that because I know what it felt like when that happened, yeah. you know? And so I decided to leave. So I packed up my car. My mammal actually helped me. She was, she was lovely. My mammal was like four foot eight. Who's this? Is your grandma? My mammal. Yeah, it was okay. a, my oh, grandma. Okay. We call her mammal. Okay. Yeah. But my mammal was like four foot eight. <laughs> so mammal and I got, I got a little Miata. Remember I had the little Miatas, a little five speed. Yeah. All you could see was my mammal's eyeballs because we had my car. All I took just my clothes. So it was me, mammal, and my clothes. And all you could see was mammal's eyeballs. And, uh, and I took off and left and I left. I knew what I was leaving. I knew that my ministry. Wow would be done because I, I knew what the, the fallout was going to be. You can't take this step and expect life to go on. Did, normal. You, did you have any, any dream at this point or was it strictly, I got to get away from this pain. I got to get out of here. Yeah. I got to get out of here. I mean, when you're at a place where they're, where you're going to die or you got to get out of it, something, yeah. something's got to get, and I didn't know how to handle it appropriately. So let me just say, I did not, I, I blew everything up. I could blow up because I just didn't know how to, well, you're I didn't only know, 20, what, 24? 24. Yeah, 24 years old. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to handle that. And I didn't have anybody helping me handle it. It was just, get me out of here. Yeah. Get me out of here. And so I blew it up and I left a, I left a aftermath of disaster behind wow. me, but I knew that was my choice. Talk about courage. I mean, well, there's so many layers of courage in there. I mean, it really is. Um, I'm just going to put my water bottle yeah, in. No, do your thing. There's so many layers of courage there. I mean... Everything from, from your brother's, uh, 
you know, suicide to the divorce to uh, changing, you know, changing your life and, and, and walking away from home. And I can only imagine what the pressure of that was all like. Uh, all I could do right now at this moment, so all I can tell you is it was just a void. It was like a survival instinct. Yeah. Give me, I don't care where I go or what I do or what I have. I didn't take any money. I didn't take, I took my, cl- my clothes. I shipped my car back. Like I didn't want anything. Yeah. That's not the advice I would give anyone these days yeah. <laughs> like, when yeah. they go through, but it, that's where I was. No, but you made a definite decision to change your circumstances. And this Correct. is so important for the audience and the viewers and the listeners to pay attention to. Yeah. Like some of you guys are afraid to leave your home and you have a great yeah. situation going on and you're scared and terrified to death, but you're not doing anything about it. And it's, you're, it's really what giving up what? You're not going to give up anything. Your family's still going to love you. Everybody's going to care about you. And this is a totally different situation where there's massive judgment, massive fear. And yet we made an instant decision to change our life. And we got in the car and we went with no real plan of action in place. Now, we're not recommending that, but no, no. but they say that my mentor told me that desperation is a creative state. It can be. And I joined the military out of desperation. I said yeah. enough is enough. And I think that more people... To live full lives, need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and say, you know what, enough is enough. Yeah, and I think that's a good point to bring up because you may feel like you're stuck and you have no choice. That's your fear talking. That's your inadequacies talking. You all, you, you, you can make it. Yeah. Like you know, I, I was in such a place where I didn't care what else happened. I would figure it out. Yeah. But I think so many people stay. They stay in relationships because they don't think that they can make it. Um, I'm talking women, yeah. uh, men may, men may as well, but sure, I'm talking sure. from a women's perspective. Sure. And I've been in that position as well, where I stayed because where am I going to live? How am I going to pay for my bills? How am I? And so these fears, these, how am I, or I'll never, whatever kind of dialogue you're having, keep you stuck. And for me, that stuck felt like I was in a pressure cooker. It, it didn't feel like I was stuck. Like, well, this is just yeah. fine. I can make it. It felt like everything was closing. I mean, if you're in a place where you would rather tap out of this life versus live the life, yeah. maybe you got to do something. You got to do something different. Can you got to do something different. Can I ask a question for it to you? Sure. What if you could talk to that girl, say, 21 years old? Mm-hmm. She's 21. What, what, what would be your advice to her? What would you tell her in that moment? where she feels just stuck and trapped and she can't change and she wants to change and she's going through all those feelings that you just described. What would you say to her? That she'll be able to make it. She's she's bigger than what she thinks she is. She's stronger than what she thinks she is. And when she gets out of that negative chaos, she'll start to bloom and find herself. Is it going to be scary? Oh, yeah. Is it going to be hard? Yeah, but she deserves to be her. Would you have told, tried to encourage her to do it sooner rather than 24, 25 or whatever it was right there? Or? I think that's a personal journey for okay. each one of us. You know, there's, there's a ripple effect. And, you know, when you're young, you don't necessarily think about that. Sometimes what will, what will be the fallout of this or what will be the effect of this on others? And so that's hard for me to say okay. to, to that girl, unless I'm got more information about her story. But what I can tell her is that she deserves to have everything that she wants to have. And she has the ability to go. There's this really cool picture. It reminds me right now. There's this really cool picture that I saw of, I think it was of um, Death Valley. And it was just dry, cracky, you know, nothing desert picture. 
And then this weird phenomenon, I'm sure I'm screwing this story up, so don't anybody message him with the facts, but this this weird phenomenon happened and rain fell like this, and it never rains there. So this amount of rain fell in a short amount of time, something that had never happened. Well, this photographer had taken a picture of the Death Valley of what we know it to look like with nothing except cracked sand like it's in the movies, and it took a picture of the after. And after it was is the same area was full of wildflowers. And that picture is so amazing because we, at some points, this young girl may think she's the Death Valley. She yeah. has nothing. But in the right conditions, when the water fell, those seeds that had been there the whole entire time bloomed. Yeah. And so I love that when every time I think of that picture, because where I felt like I didn't have it, couldn't, couldn't make it, would never make it where this young girl feels like, I, I don't have it, I can't make it. That picture shows me that what we need is there the whole entire time. We just got to get in the right environment so that it can grow. Yeah. And I think that's, that's you're, I know, you're like, I'm teary, I do. Yeah. Don't, don't look at tears with eyes. We both said we were going to cry <laughs> I on the know, show. I know, here we are crying. <laughs> but, it, but that's, what we need is there. And that, that can go in any area of our life, whether we're in our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever. You know, I work with women that are in their 70s. Yeah. The seeds have been there. We just have held ourselves captive to the wrong environment. Yeah. And we said this earlier. I fully believe I've been the one that's been locking myself in that because I didn't think I had those seeds. I didn't think I had what it was going to take to make it how do we how do we get to the garden how do we get to the um to the other side of the the drought that we might be in i mean we have to make a decision at some point right but any um does it should that person find inspiration like what what do we do to get to the other side so it's about taking ownership first of all i think you need to recognize the key is in your hand and Mm -hmm. that you've been keeping yourself in the dead the dry (laughs) drought right like and I, like, I like that image. I'm picturing I'm in a prison cell and I have the key, you got the key. and I'm stuck inside of it and just like, let me out of here. Yeah. And, I can't and then at the same out. time you're screaming, let me out. You're locking yourself back in. Right. It's totally what we do. We're a prisoner to our own comfort. Yeah. We're a prisoner to people's approval. Like we, be, we're, we are building that own prison around us. And what I want to teach women to do is, first of all, you've been the one that built it. You may have built it as a fort for protection at one point. But now it's turned into a prison mm. and, and we're, we're stuck there. So let's get our sledgehammers out and start tearing those walls down. Hell yeah. But then recognizing we all, especially as we've gotten older, have found areas or experiences that has really helped us to show up at a different level. Or we've been joyful in them or happy or something. That was an environment that, that helped us to grow and to, to a seed to bloom. So when I work with somebody, I would say, okay, we've got to get you into an environment that causes these seeds to bloom. What's keeping them from not blooming now? Well, I'm surrounded by negativity or I, you know, I don't think I can, I don't think I have what it takes to get. And so I start talking about, well, what's kept you in the prison because, and I teach this a lot. So many of us have tried to change our environments. We've tried to start new businesses. We've tried to start new relationships, but every time we get into them, we're so excited. We've got the momentum but we're dragging everything that kept us dead. And so we're just rebuilding the prison over here. It's a new environment. But if you don't get everything that's held you captive off of you, that it's going to turn into the same what prison. Are some, what are some examples of that? Um, like, what, what do we need to release from so that when we go to a new environment, we go to a new 
maybe I leave my home state for the first time and I find somebody that I'm absolutely in love with and I move to their state and I'm really, you know, I want to do a good job and I don't want to destroy this and I know that I got some baggage. I know that I got to take, I've taken, taken ownership Mm -hmm. in my situation. I've released myself, but I don't want to build that prison again. What's the, what do I do there? So one of the things that I recognized was one of my, my, uh, ball and chain, if you want to call it the one that kept me captive was people pleasing and needing someone getting my identity validated by someone else Mm. and did it a lot. And it carried over in my businesses. It carried over in my relationships. I would, I would literally become who I needed to be for that relationship to work. Mm. Does that make sense? Like Like a chameleon or whatever. Uh, become, you know, my routine would become, and I see so many women, I'm sure men do this, but from a women's perspective, my routine became their routine. My likes was what they liked. And I started losing myself. Sometimes I didn't even, you know, I hadn't even found myself. If you look at my, my story, I was what everyone else needed yeah, your me whole to be. life, you didn't know who the hell you were. And so no. now that the most thing that you're most comfortable with is becoming what somebody else wants what you to somebody be. Somebody else. And because that's how I got my validation. Right. I mean, if, you know, when I first started doing my master classes online, I would, I was attached to how many people showed up or how many people said I did a good job or, and so approval addiction became a really big thing that I had to recognize that I was still carrying around yeah. and I was building my prisons again because if a set number of people didn't show up for my master class, it'd be like, oh man, I did a bad job. Or if mm. I didn't get that, hey, you did a great job, I'd be like, oh, I did a bad job. Yeah. So it became more about getting people's applause, getting rewards than it did. And that, and like I said, that's in relationship, that's in businesses. I mean, you can probably call out so many areas of our lives. So I had to recognize that I was perfectly unique just being me. And if I kept the people pleasing or the approval addiction going, I would never truly be an, uh, an authentic version of myself. Well, I would be I the love, chameleon. I love that so much. You know, you, again, you have to say enough is enough with the people pleasing. You have to yeah. say enough, enough, enough is enough with, you know, pleasing everybody else. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that that awareness in itself is enough to help somebody get started. Now, how do you reinforce it? Is there anything that they can do? tactically on a daily basis to remove themselves from pleasing or anything like that from you? So one thing that I recognized is that there's a, there's a great story. Can I share another story? If I'm taking it, there's a great story and this one may make me cry. So just get ready on this (laughs) one. But um, growing up, my parents also, my parents were also serial entrepreneurs, but they also had a chemical company and a lumber yard and so a sawmill. So lumber would come in from the, from the cut down of the trees. My dad had a tool that would cut it to whatever size it needed to be. Let's say it was like a six by six, right? Post. And so, um, anything that didn't measure out to be exactly what it was supposed to be was put in scraps or, you know, firewood pile or something. It was set off to the side. It could be used for something different. Yeah. So I didn't recognize what I was doing until, you know, just these past several years. But my concept of, remember, we started this conversation talking about something must be wrong with me. I don't match everybody else and that whole internal, that dialogue. What happened was I would, I was thinking of myself like if I wasn't the perfect measurement of that six by six post, I couldn't go in the stack with everybody else. I went into the firewood pile. Like that's where I, I belonged in the, in the seconds. 
not in the, not in the, you know, the pieces that could be used for their purpose. Right, right. So originally I thought my purpose, my ministry was over. So I thought I belonged in this other pile. Right. Does that make sense where yeah, I'm kind of going with the story? Yeah. So it's like the hand me down pile. Or yeah. Whatever, I'm, I'm, or whatever, you're you know what you're I'm over in the damaged yeah. group. I guess. This group's made for a purpose. They're, they're perfect. They're making the right choices. Right. They're making the right decisions. You're, you're over here, kid. Yep. And so I got into designing houses and furniture and I just, the part of that creative, you know, part of me likes all of that. Um, and so I was building, I had a table designed. And, uh, my brother and a, a gentleman that he knew was making it for me. So I'm in the, in the, um, warehouse with them while they're making it. And he's building it with not the perfect pieces of wood. I'm like, so I'm like, Dr. Pock, you're, you know, you, you need to use that piece cause it's straight and he's not paying any attention. Like he's in his zone. Yeah, right. Yeah, Making, yeah. And so I finally, after I see him using pieces that had you know, notches out of it. There was a piece that had a bullet that had been dug out of it. This just uh, piece had been burned at the end. I see him using all of these pieces. Finally, I'm losing my, you know, might have a little bit of control issue as we said <laughs> earlier, but I'm losing it. And I'm like, Dr. Pock, you're going to make my table look horrible. And he kind kindly kicked me out of the facility. Well, by the time the table was finished, it was the most beautiful, unique, one of a kind table I mean, it was, I couldn't have even designed it to be that gorgeous. And I bring that back to the sawmill story because what made that table so beautiful was that it was made from the seconds. It was made from the damage. And so that dialogue and starting to speak to myself like that, that, yo, you're not damaged. You're not broken. Yep. You're actually something that could be used as a unique, beautiful masterpiece Speaking to myself like that and recognizing that childhood story and how I've actually lived that all yeah. the way up into my forties that not maybe consciously knowing I was living it, but subconsciously believing I belonged in the seconds. Sure. Um, and then looking at my house and my whole freaking house is full of this furniture that's been made from all of these pieces and they're gorgeous. And so. I say that to say, how do you quit that approval addiction? Recognize that you are a unique masterpiece and everything that was meant to break you did nothing but make you into something that right. can be beautiful. Quit getting teary-eyed, Lord have mercy. But so that's like my, that's how I speak to myself. And that's how I encourage myself through those moments. Cause it's not like those voices are gone. I have some of my clients, they're like, well, dude, does it ever diminish? And I'm like, the voices still come, but what happens is I'm, I'm a stronger warrior than I was when I first started. So I'm able to recognize them and speak life over yeah. myself. Yeah. You so, built yourself into somebody that can conquer those inner voices and, yeah. and, and the, the empowerment has become bigger and stronger than the disempowerment. Yeah. yeah. The voices still come. And I don't know if yours do, but mine's Oh, I'm, absolutely. Everywhere I go, I still go. Oh, so I my got, voices come. I got a nasty one inside of me. And I'm sure we all do. You know, doubts, fears, <laughs> yes. insecurities, all those types of things. Yeah. It's like every every day, it's just about doing things that help me keep that monster at bay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And for me, I, I seek out hard things and that helps me overcome my insecurities and sure. my issues. I'll do suffering Saturday on the weekends and which is like, I've heard some of your, I've heard, heard some of your this? suffering Saturdays. Yes. <laughs> Anything specifically? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> just no. That I just, do them? just, just really speaking highly of you on those days. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that 
you know, when we can challenge ourselves and sure. and overcome something personally, it starts to build that confidence Absolutely. and then that becomes addicting. So I think that you really um, your analogy is great that there's something beautiful inside of these imperfections that you say oh, yeah. you have They're and gorgeous. stuff. Yeah. But the, the trick is really to switch the narrative yep. and then reinforce it every single day On and purpose. then start looking for evidence of it around you Absolutely. and everything. Your whole world needs yeah. to conform to that well, you idea. Have to create, you have to create that. So like your greenhouse for growth is what we call it in our community. What do I need so that I can grow? Mm, yeah. And in our 20s, we may not know all of those things. In my 40s, I'm getting a little bit clearer on yeah. and taking a proactive approach for my growth. Yeah. A lot of times we come at it from a reactive. And so we're in a deficit and we're trying to, you know, keep our head above water. And so I teach, um, I'm training for the Rim to Rim in the Grand Canyon. I actually leave in but 14 days, I think. Shoot, how many miles is that? 50? Oh, that? it's, no, I'm just doing the, I'm doing the south to the north rim. So I'm only doing 21. I mean, only 21. Only 21 <laughs> in one day. But I have loved the connection of my physical and mental. Yeah. And on purpose, putting myself in a place of suffering so that I'm mentally becoming aware of what I need to stay strong. I love that. And I, so, yeah. I think everybody that's listening can listen to, like, to specifically that part. Like, if you have, you have this, you're in this prison and you want to break free. Okay. You take ownership, take ownership, you open it up, you start going, and then you need to start reinforcing the power that's inside of you. And how do you do that? You yeah. put yourself through voluntary suffering, sure. put your physical body into something that you can overcome mm -hmm. and seek out challenges. Right. Yep. And that should kind of starts changing the narrative. Is that how I'm yep. understanding you, yep. how you see it? Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. To I agree. Hear. Silent suffering, yeah. take ownership and then build your greenhouse for growth. Quit caring what people say. Quit looking for somebody's. You get one life. Yeah. And I've wasted so much time living mine based off of what someone else wanted or someone else's approval. And I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I want to, I want to be happy and, and satisfied with me. Yeah. And as we said earlier, keep finding me because I haven't found all of me yet. And I find myself by putting myself in some interesting, you know, physical activities and even cr creating my businesses, this, doing this and, and, and coaching other women and helping other women break out of those prisons. Like this is still me finding me. How do you find the next thing that challenges you? Cause I think now we're at a point where somebody really, they're locked in and they're, they're empowered and they're feeling like, like they want to take control of their life and, and they're feeling really inspired and they're probably looking for a starting point, sure. maybe, um, you know, a, a race or a business. Is there any, uh, advice that you would give to somebody to get started on that path? Like what could they go do or how so, do they find it? Well, one of the things that I teach in my community is uh, some people are like, I don't know where to start. Yeah. So let's just, instead of setting a goal that may seem too far out, let's just say, where do we, where do we start? Yeah, that's good. And I tell them just start with the next best thing. Look at what you have in your hand. What's the next best move that you can make? Mm. I talk about, I use stories a lot or analogies because they help me. Yeah. I kind of got to break things down oh, so that I the understand them a lot better. But we play cards a lot in my family. And it was like playing either Uno, we play spoons. I don't know if you know what spoons is, yeah, or Rummy. Spoons. But you can hold those, Rummy. you hold those cards waiting for this one perfect card to come. And the way that we play, somebody else would go out and you'd be left with a whole handful of high point cards, right? And I'm like, instead of playing life like that, which I know you're like playing life like cards, that's, that's kind of an easy analogy for you to make. It's just the concept. So yeah. follow me on the concept. What if you just laid down what you had in your hand 
and, and at least made a move yeah. and got momentum going and got some points. As you said, once you put yourself in those places, then confidence grows and then you start showing up a little differently than you did back here. So what's, what's the next now for me, I've created a purpose. I've created, I may not be exactly what I want to be or don't know what I want to be, but I know what my purpose is. And my purpose is to help women who felt trapped like me, as you read it earlier, to lead women out of the place of chaos, fear, and desperation, and into a life of power, purpose, and one created by their design, not their circumstances. So everything that I do, whatever I have in my hands, does it help me do that? Yes. Okay. Play it. Does it go against that? It goes against it. Don't play it. And I make it, I just make it like, that's simple. Yeah, it's binary. It's like, That's does it get simple. me to where I want? Does yep. it not? And is then, it this far of a movement? Is it this far of a movement? I don't care if it's a movement. Play it. Yeah. Play so that, it. that could be like, if I'm in a state trying to go to another state, change my life, it's, you know, maybe I can't move there and buy the perfect house that I want, but I can jump on a plane and go there for the weekend. Go investigate I can, it. You know, go spend, a stay, do a staycation there, go do a couple of weeks and then yeah. build upon that. And through building and getting those little, little wins, mm. those little victories, I'll discover yeah. even more about myself. Absolutely. I'll discover more about my purpose and yeah. I'll end up building this whole beautiful home to yeah. live in versus the prison that I started out in. Yeah. yeah? Or you'll stay until, you know, so many people stay in that prison because they're waiting for everything to be perfect. Yeah. Or they'll, well, what if? And the fear comes in. What's the next best move? Yeah. What's the next best move you can make to change your situation right now with what's in your hands? Talk to me a little bit about your communities and your, um, like the, the current business that you're running and you're most passionate about. Share a little bit about that with me. Tell me what it looks so, like and what you're doing. So I've got two going, got a couple going yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. but what I'm so excited about doing what we're doing here is just this concept of helping people that are be, that feel like they're captive, that yeah. feel like they're stuck and feel like they don't have any other option or choice because so many people think this is, this is it. This is the life I've got. I'm just going to ride it out until it's over. Right. And I refuse to believe that we're just blobs to take up space. I believe that every single one of us has a purpose. And if we can, have our eyes opened that we're holding the key and that we're stuck in a prison to these things, these inadequacies, these fears, approvals, all of these things that we're being stuck in and go be who I think we were actually created to be. I can't tell you who you were created to be, but I can tell you, go find him, right, right, go, right, go right. do whatever you can do to go find whoever that may be and change your concept of failing. Yeah. But what if I try this and it fails? No, you tried it and you learned. That's it's, there is, you know, I like that could be a whole nother talk where you talk about, you know, changing what failure means. It's almost sure. like when you said rebel earlier, it's like got a, a negative tone to it, but just, I'm so excited about being what I needed someone to mm. be for me. I needed somebody to that 20 year old girl that we were talking about. I needed somebody to see that I was hurting. Okay. Not going to cry yet. This is so good. I, you know, my, my mission is to build leaders in the world. And I, yeah. I believe that every single one of us has an obligation to become the leader that we yeah, wish we, we would have had, mm -hmm. you know, and you're doing so exactly much. that right now. And it sounds, so you know, much. your, your business that you have is the lifeline for that girl. You yeah. know, it's, it's the next step. You know, when somebody's asking, what do I do to change my circumstances? What do I do to get out of my environment? I don't know where to go and where to begin. Well, listen, 
the first step is get uncomfortable being in my community. Yeah. Come into my community, and then exactly. it's going to be. You're going to feel a little awkward at first, but you get in there, you make the decision, and then it's going to feel like home. Yeah. And we're going to empower you, not empower you, but we're going to we're going to teach you and share our experience to lessen the curve that you're going to find yeah. out through decades, and we're going to collapse that down yeah. to, to. And years I love or what minutes. you said when you started your opening is we give tools and tactics because I think a lot of times there's a lot of raw fluff. raw out there yeah, that doesn't actually give tools and tactics to create that change yeah. and so we get all fired up and then we just don't what's the first step we're supposed to be taking so i really love sharing tools tactics creating whatever i can to help get that clarity for you first of all to help you see yourself the way that you truly are which is not broken but a unique masterpiece yeah Secondly, you've got the seeds already. You just got to create your environment. You've been in an environment of death. We got to get you into an environment of life. Um, uh, Amy and I had lunch today. We were talking about the people that you surround yourself with. That would be the first step I could take also. If you can't move to another location, who are you spending time with? Right. Change that environment. Because I can tell you there's many times in my life that's what was sucking the life out of me not pouring life into me. And so, I mean, there's so many, it's almost like sometimes common sense things, but when you're in the middle of something, well, you, you exactly. they're blocked, you can't yeah. see them. This was the saying, it's um, a fish sees water last. Mm. You know, you're like what's right in front of you, the steps that are right in front of you, they're really hard to see yeah. until you like stop and pay attention. The other thing I love about what you're saying in your message right now is that, um, you know, a lot of people are trying to win at life in a fair fight and you shouldn't. Like you should try to win life in an unfair fight. You know, the military taught us to win against the enemy. You need a three to one advantage. So if I really want to change my situation, I need to stop playing fair with it. I need to get some better people in my environment. Yes. I need to get some better resources some in my tools, environment. Tools, exactly. Update your arsenal. Load yes, up the arsenal yeah. and fight that thing with an unfair advantage, yeah. which is what I love about what you're doing. Thank you. Um, so as we uh, transition to the back end here, um, What's the, like, actually, before we do that, how can people contact you and get a hold of you? They can go to my website. It's www.denisejbond.com. And the most important thing that I want that woman or man to feel is seen, heard, and loved. And I think there was so many times in my life I, I didn't have any of that. And if I can just be a vessel of that and also be a light, there's a song we used to sing. I don't know if you're raised in church, but... This little light of mine, I'm going to let it yeah, shine. Awesome. We used to sing, um, you know, when we were young, we would sing it because our light was so <clears> big. Now we're all yeah. like, you know, what light? But I want to I wanna shine my light so that not only to illuminate my path, but that so that other women can come. Come. You're in the darkness. You're in these prisons. Come. Yeah. You can do it. You can make it. So It's a lighthouse. It's a lighthouse. It's very beautiful. Well. Thanks. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners as, as, um, as a final message or anything you'd like to maybe even say again to them as we close off here? Well, as we just said, you're seen, you're heard, you're loved. I think that's so important. And then don't stay stuck. Get up and go, go become who you've been created to be and the life that you were created to live. And don't settle for less. You can do it. Hell yes. Ladies and gentlemen, that was an awesome, incredible, and inspiring masterclass on breaking free in life and living a life on your terms. Um, I hope you took notes. I hope you studied. If you didn't, 
I mean, go back, even if rewatch you did, it. Yeah, yes, rewatch, rewatch this again and again rewatch and get that it. good input inside of your mind. Your mind is amoral. It doesn't care what you plant there. You need good stuff in there. And share it. And share because it. Because so many people are in a state of desperation. And when you said desperation can create, be a, desperation can also be a place where we make temper, permanent uh, outcomes based off those temporary moments of desperation. So share this because yeah. a lot of people are desperate and don't know don't have anybody helping them to find the light. So Absolutely. share it. Thank you so much, Denise. You're for welcome. On. Thanks. And we didn't cry. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you heard the word. Pass the, this episode around. Share with a friend. You have an obligation to do that and help somebody else out. Until next time, be the leader.